0: I respect you for um believing it. But can you,
1: can you to turn your phone around? You're upside yeah, down. Yeah, you want to spin it. Are you able to capture any info? Any any uh, video? I, uh, I can. There you go. What? Oh, what? Oh, oh. There you go. I'm trying to work it out. It doesn't want to sit up the way it is. I don't have like a thing for this. Okay, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta, put, I gotta get my charger, too. There's so much shit going on here. But I'll, I'll show you this Vimeo. That's what I was looking at, Vimeo, because I'll show you... They, uh... pretty compelling uh, argument that they're making that, yeah, it's, it's the, the moon landing's totally faked. And that they had to beat the, uh... They had to beat the, the, the Soviets to the punch. And, um... And, like, how did they get... Neil? The guy was like, how'd they get Neil Armstrong to go along with it? And he was like, well like, Stanley Kubrick's on there talking about it, man, like, I'm like, holy shit, he's like, well, they just, um, they just convinced them that in a few years, they would have all the money, and they would actually go to the moon, and it was just temporary, you know, it was just for the American cause, for the American people,
2: so that's, that's, I'm glad
1: you see that, yeah, I'll show it to you, yeah, you mean? it was really fucking disturbing, actually, I was like, man, I'm- This is like the final moment. I do think he was an uh, Illuminati uh, murderer.
0: Yeah. Or sacrifice, or whatever they call it. I don't know.
1: So, my volume issue is corrected. Uh, So we were discussing, we were were on a particular individual, a German scientist. uh, Braun. Yes. And you were saying how he must have been brought in. After World War II, in the Vatican or Nazi ratlines, that they were getting the, um, the the Nazi scientists, and they they must have got Werner von Braun at that point, right? And he was probably right. into rocket technology. And, yeah, um, it's something that people don't discuss very much. Is the whole the JPL or the Jack Parsons connection, yeah. Jet Propulsion Labs, how that ties in to the V two rockets? Jack Parsons
0: and, and uh, Jack Parsons and no, um, L- Old Elron, Ron, Ron Robert. Yeah. yeah, they did the uh,
1: the opening. I forgot what it's called. The spell that's creepy. So that's at some, some point, spell. all this the the the, the military-industrial complex at the top levels, where they're faking a moon landing, and, and and they're creating jet propulsion laboratories because they need to have these weapons and this technology. At some point, when you get to the highest levels of this with NASA, you're you're in the occult. So you gotta be doing like Babylonian yeah, yeah. magic. I mean, that's what Jack Parsons was doing with L. Ron Hubbard, and of course, for the audience, L. Ron Hubbard would go on to set up Scientology, and of course, his connections with the CIA and all that. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Um, this whole issue of Project Bluebeam, you know. I don't know. I, I. It seems so probable that it will happen. I see. I just
0: see it. Don't I mean? Don't you? Don't you see the um? I
1: mean, the technology is to so us piece by piece by the nighttime UFOs. Well, but I didn't mean, stay away from UFOs. When I was younger, and the, the scales were beginning to fall off my eyes, when I, you know, when pieces started to connect. I mean, the, the Nazis—they invented the B two rocket technology, I, and they invented jet propulsion. So it was like the Rolls the Rolls Royce motors were in these these jets, and they had pro- basically propeller airplanes until the until the Nazi scientists developed the rocket technology. And they bombed Britain with V two rockets or whatever it was. So and then they were yeah. experimenting with with UFO technology, but just as far as the disc shaped saucer flying objects. So the, the Nazis yeah. were already experimenting with that, yeah. and kind of put it there because their, their their technology was far advanced, you know, in, in their navy and in, in their in their their weapons. So I think that the the Nazi regime collapses, and then the 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 Americans move in to get all the. The, the German scientists out, and they're going to take all this technology and this, you know, this information into the CIA. And from that point on, yeah, I, th- I think that they developed advanced weapons and they continued the research. They just continued it on. And that was going to be Bill Donovan. He's a famous, uh, the, one of the, the guys who set up the set, he, when they were moved from the Office of Strategic Services to the CIA, it was wild Bill Donovan, who was the actual guy to set that up. His connections with the Knights of Malta are pretty straightforward i mean you know he was right in there with the the dullest boys in washington dc and setting up this this new military industrial complex that's how it looks we've been dealing with hollywood uh, propaganda for a long time so uh ever since we were young we've been watching movies about et and thinking about how you know probable it was that just right right outside the you know the stars are more like life forms and so UFOs are everywhere in the sky every night. I mean, that's just that's the way that to look at it, you know. And I think that even with with Stargate, the movie they did, I mean, a lot in, in every way, they've been feeding our minds with this concept that we are going to have this contact with alien life. You know that that's really what it's been building up to. You know, Stargate was awesome. I like Stargate. Yeah, I didn't like the adverts, but I like the I like the premise of the show. I mean the whole idea of the whole genre of aliens. I mean it really begins with Orson Welles and the War of the Worlds, and you know they had the the famous. uh, It was really a psychological operation, but they had the famous radio address where he reads War of the Worlds and freaks everybody out. Was that intentional or or accidental? That's but I don't know. I think it was totally intentional. I mean, I think they just wanted to. They were just beginning to deal with mass consciousness and psychotronic weapons so that you can try to instill these legendary ideas in people's minds. So that they stop yeah. looking down at the earth and with these matters and they look up. And that's how you, you know, that's one of the mechanisms for arriving at internationalism is when you, you know, when you have to look yeah. It become one world, you know. You have to look at the stars and imagine that up there on the planets are Martians, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I think people believe it. They're pre- they're prepared to for the government to tell them any day now the disclosure that, that that alien UFOs are real, and so I think it's just part of. Yeah, no, I think uh, they're how people react. I think they're, yeah, yeah. they're flat earthing us. I mean, they just they're getting everyone. It's the same people that want to to accept this new like medical tyranny, you know, and they want to accept a flat earth and they want to accept that aliens are flying around in ships. I mean, I, th- I, I totally with you. I think that the independence day, the movie, I think that we're going to be dealing with ships flying over us, but I don't think it's going to be aliens. I think it's just advanced Nazi technology. It just yeah. seems obvious to me. That's my thing too. So it, it's, it's, the Tic
0: Tac UFO uh, occurred and the video was released in 2017. Um, Commander Fravor, that was his name, I believe, he, he chased it, he said it looked like a Tic Tac,
1: and it, it, we don't want to get into UFOs, do we? Well, I mean, I think that, that you can't get around it. I mean, the whole point is, is that unidentified flying objects, and, and if people are seeing something. And but the 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 reason that they're seeing it is not what they believe. That's the whole point. That's that's the dumbing down. Uh, The whole aspect of it is to try to get people to accept these this these new overlords and you know and so the the advanced technology in Area 51, is 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 using these experimental crafts and and you know they're doing they're doing different. They have these satellites in space. They're doing things in low in low orbit. Um, Like the recent thing I just noticed is that they have a video of what they're calling a, a pod, you know? And there's, like, this w- little white, circular light that you see comes down over the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem, and it's like... Oh, oh. I've seen that! And then it just that's suddenly awesome. shoots up and beams up right into the eye. But if you, if you if you look at it carefully, it's really the same thing that you do to your cat when you have the laser pointer. You get the little laser pointer yeah. going, and he can't see where it's, it's coming from. It's on the video. That's the same thing. They're in yeah, space, they're in space. It's filmed a, by a film teacher. Did you know that? No, I, mean, I just, just looked at it before we got on here. And just as we were yeah. looking up this, doing the show prep. But it shows that the government's willing to do pretty much
0: anything
1: to to get into our lives. Uh, yeah. I think it's a process of of getting us out on an intellectual limb where we're, we're, we're basically... our entire lives in reality is, like, curated, like Truman Show, like Truman Show, you know, like, you know, so, if you look carefully at that video, you can see that they have a satellite in space, and they have, like, a little laser beam pointed out, and they pointed it at the Dome of the Rock, and then, and then they have a light that shoots up, and then they were like, look, it's aliens, it's aliens from other, other galaxies, but of course, other galaxies are, are 20 light, uh, like, 20 billion light years away, they, they, they don't have any ability to arrive here, it doesn't matter how advanced the technology is. You mean you can't travel for that long? I mean, it just, it, it, no one's going to build a spaceship in order to travel for twenty years on it. That's the kind of like right. problems. Those are yeah. the kind of problems they're working out. They're trying to work out in sci-fi movies as well. It's always about like, oh, you're going to go into a, a cryo a cry sleep. You're going to cryo sleep for for twenty years because your ship is going to travel at the speed of light so that you can just reach the nearest star. It's just like it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know? that's,
0: that's
1: creepy, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with that. How they're going to they going to get that. Well, uh, if you look at it, like even when even back in the, in, the, in the era of War of the Worlds with H, with H. G. Wells. At that time, we didn't have sufficient advanced technology to understand Mars. I think they really thought that Mars was almost inhabitable, like it had oceans and maybe forests, and you know, what I mean, so they, they kind of imagined that there were creatures there. Yeah. And then ultimately, right. later on, we get better we get better telescopes, and we can see that it's really nothing there. I mean, so I think at some point that we imagined that there were, were, were life was there, but now we can see that, that there's not. So. The whole idea, yeah,
0: that well, well, has uh, am synonymous right. with the alien,
1: right? And so I think that on some level, uh, H.G. Wells was was just they, they, he was a part of that clique. So I think he was. They were describing how they would ultimately control and and muzzle the, the intellect and the the mind of people in the future, and they would create a hoax that there was you know life forms you know, that were coming to... You know, and so I think they just kept advancing that. And so you see in 1948, you have the the Roswell crash, you know? And so they just kind of yeah. stepped it up. It was the next step. Now we have, you know, now the government's supposedly secretly covering up a crashed alien ship. But of course, they didn't do a very good job of covering up the secret because everyone immediately found out, you know, about UFOs, you know? So, you know... Yeah, it, it, How how could they, uh,
0: they say it was... Uh, parachutes, not parachutes. Excuse me, balloons, weather balloons. Right. And then they have this cable that's uh with a weather with the weather balloon on
1: it, and uh, it was really so funny. Well, it reminds me of part of the, the whole thing. I mean, I think I think the idea, like we, I was watching some some of the the uh, the, the the documentaries on Project Bluebeam. And at some point they were showing that they wanted to do a projection of Jesus Christ in the sky. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's that same kind of religious context. It's, it's back to that, um, uh, you know, uh, the, what was Muhammad's daughter's name? It's a city in France. Oh, Fetima? my God. Fatima. F- F- Fatima. We're back to the Fatima deal, where we're, you know, like, remember where they said that, you know, the, the popes uh, saw that the sun, you remember, there was the Fatima, uh, you know, hoax, you know, where everyone supposedly saw the, the vision of Mary or, or what have you. And so I think that... that it's we can co- investigate that. It's it's a more... That, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a continuation that, of that with uh, technological weapons. It really
0: seemed like a technology weapon, didn't it? Yes this—I know we weren't talking about this, but this light shows up. It bounces around. Oh, the people were were. It had been raining, and the people were wet. Right. And the uh, uh, the light somehow
1: the light dried them all off. That's that's interesting. I, mean, it's, it's, I, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, all right. I mean, I think that they're well advanced with their technology. And they have, they're using it, I think that the, the different things, the devices that we're getting, that kind of, like, this is the new cutting edge, I think that it's all been gamed out 20 or 30 years ago, and they're really just fitting us with the products, you know, because when, when you have the phone, they get everything from you, and you really get nothing, but just censored yeah. propaganda, and they get to follow you around and check everything you do. So, I mean, the technology is not just designed by some geeks, like, yeah, recently, it's it's more, I think that it's being prepared for us for this technotronic era. That's a good,
0: that's a good point. Follow you around. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it gives them all the data on you, and it really gives you nothing, but it shines you on with a bunch of propaganda and gaslighting and and, and um, just bullshit news, you know? And then when somebody tries to send you a link of something that's critical or, or true, then they censor it, you know? So it's like, it's a, it's a, it's totally a control mechanism. It doesn't free us. It doesn't give us any kind of advantage. And we're addicted to it. So you can't even like walk around without your phone, because you'll miss it.
0: You know, so it's it's, it's pretty powerful yeah, technology. It, it really is. It makes me uh, makes me sick. Really, I've been. I, I think it is different making a sick. To, yeah, it's a
1: different way to live. And this is a really difficult and. Obscure topic that you're not going to be able to do any real research if you wanted to look into this You probably should have began maybe 10 15 years ago But now it's the information is really going to be hard to find You're not going to be able to locate this will provide you with the links that we we have And try to show you the, the topic we can't really take you into secret CIA Files and we can't really show you more than what we have. But We can tell you what we think we can show you the information and you can see what we're, our, our dilemma is and what we're discussing. So here, here's the first article related to the d- issue of the project Blue Beam.
3: Good morning, my name is Carol Rosin. In 1974, after being a sixth grade school teacher, I was introduced to the late Dr. Werner Von Braun in the US, the father of rocketry. In my first meeting with him during that first three and a half hours, he said to me, Carol, you will stop the weaponization of space, and I said, uh, you know, teachers don't stop until June. He said, no, you have to understand, this is February. And we have to prevent the weaponization of space because there is a lie being told to everyone that the weaponization of space is now first being based upon the evil empire, the Russians. There are many enemies, he said, against whom we're going to build this space-based weapon system, the first of whom was the Russians, which was existing at that time. Then there would be terrorists. Then there would be third world countries. Now we call them rogue nations or nations of concern. Then there would be asteroids. And then he would repeat to me over and over, and the last card, the last card, the last card would be the extraterrestrial threat. Well, at the time I kind of laughed when he said asteroids, and when he said extraterrestrials, I knew I wasn't going to deal with that subject. And now we hear in the news just today, this week, that they've slid in another enemy. Only this time we're going to protect our satellites. In other words, we have to have some reason to spend these trillions to waste these dollars on a space-based weapon system, and they're all lies. This is a system, he told me, that would never protect anyone. Even back then, he talked about suitcase bombs. He talked about chemical, viral, bacterial, biological warfare that these space-based weapons would never protect us against. And then he told me that, in fact, if you travel around the world, which I did after he died in 1977, I met with people in over 100 countries who were friends. They didn't want to build space-based weapons. I became a space and missile defense consultant. And I worked with people around the world. I became uh, an advisor to the People's Republic of China. They don't want to build a space-based weapon system. And he told me back then that they didn't. He said, go to Russia. They're considered to be the enemy. I got on a plane by myself. When I got to Russia, I had a list of people that I had read out of the newspaper. Chernenko was in office then. He was the only one I didn't get a chance to meet. They introduced me to everyone when I got there. And when I got back, I said, oh, my Lord, this man is telling the truth. There are, is no threat. And I've been waiting until this day for 27 years. And I'm expecting the spin to happen because he also explained to me that in the as a military strategist, as a person who worked on the MX missile, which I did later, He said you will find that there is going to be a spin to find some enemy against whom we have to build space-based weapons. And now we should expect the spin. Because he said part of the formula for the intelligence community is if they might have a weapon, then we have to consider that they do have these weapons. So now they do have these weapons, so now we have to build these weapon systems. And that's the formula, except that it's all based on a lie. We can build now non-polluting technologies. Werner von Braun used to tell me that we could have cars back then that drove around off the ground. He described this to me on beams so that we have no pollution on this planet. And we can solve the problems of the people that are urgent and potential and the other animals and the other cultures on Earth and in space. And we can end the arms race without dislocating the industry jobs, without disrupting the economy, by transforming, Werner von Braun told me, the war industry into a global cooperative space industry that will provide, he said, finally, more jobs and profits on this planet than during any hot or cold wartime, more products and services that can be applied directly to solving the problems of this planet, and we can have a whole planet now that lives on, in peace on Earth.
1: So that was Dr. Carol Rosen. And I think that one of the main most key and integral points is that the, the whole idea is based on a lie. and the lie is that, that there is UFO extraterrestrials from mars or martians flying around in spaceships over our heads and that we should all be really concerned about this and so that's kind of the double think that a, pro- a program like this introduces it's the kind of propaganda and it's the kind of uh, classified level CIA deception that wants to continue to get people to to think that it's necessary for for man to be in space for you know to to have satellites to have this ability to project uh, light beam images and project holograms from space the the, the aerosol uh, the spray and aerosol technology that they're using as far as like uh, seeding the atmosphere uh, you can see it every day with the the chemtrails that everyone's really concerned about—it creates everyone. Everyone gets all upset and and thinks that you know they're, they're doing, and has to theorize on what they're doing with the chemtrails. But in many ways, uh, the, the, they're doing many different things. But one of the things they're doing is they're allowing the atmosphere to be a holographic surface to project images from satellites in space. So that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with this whole hoax and this whole next-level government program to really control what you think, and introduce you to an idea, an inception point, and a belief system that you didn't realize that you were being indoctrinated with. So ever since you watched E.T., ever since you watched all the different uh, alien movies uh, in, in Hollywood and, and on TV, you began to believe that the that the stars represented many, many millions of different life forms and civilizations, and there's you know, that, of course, if you watch Star Wars, uh, there's a whole galaxy. There's a Galactic Council, and there's a whole uh, galaxy full of different kind of species of different extraterrestrials all over the place. And so that you know, humanoid beings in in the cosmos is not interesting or new. It's just something that you know, everyone should know that UFOs and so that's the kind of propaganda we're discussing. And and so you have to recognize that before. H.G. Wells, and the War of the Worlds, and before uh, the 1948 in Roswell and the, the supposed cr- crash of the the UFO ship, and before the the, the moon landing hoax, the, the idea uh, for controlling our ability to think this way was already set into motion. So that's why we're introducing Project Bluebeam. And we have to get into another part of it here. Uh, one of the main uh, d- gentlemen that comes out to be the liaison between the public and the government and who's supposed to be, in fact, uh, introducing this disclosure of alien life uh, comes out and tells us that actually it's a hoax. So we're going to listen to a little bit of discussion of, of this gentleman. And Dr. Steve Greer is a particularly honest man, and he's going to come out and discuss openly how the government worked to invent the idea of an alien incursion or of UFO uh, from faraway planets, uh, faraway galaxies, I guess, and that these aliens were flying around overhead and were. Interested in just hovering over the capital, and these kind of ideas are are really government created hoaxes and he's going to d- discuss more about how that happened And
4: in 1990 I was basically visited and asked to start This entire effort CE5 Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind Initiative And the reason for it was that I later learned that there were a group of world leaders in November of 1989, including Papa Bush and Paris de Quayar and a whole bunch of people who wanted to end the secrecy on this subject, but not in a way that was very conscious. And as an after, sort of result of this, and then the aftermath of it, something happened that shut that down. And When I had the meeting uh, some years ago with Prince Hans Adam von Liechtenstein, who's the crown prince of Liechtenstein, prior to a meeting with him, he had sent me a letter and said, Dr. Greer, um, you won't be able to do disclosure or contact, but not for reasons you think. I said, what? But I don't want to talk about it. So I talked to him on the phone at at his castle. He says, I'm going to come to New York. Let's meet. So we met. And what I discovered was that he and the other people who had been planning this in 1989, now remember this is over 25 years ago, um, didn't know that within the unacknowledged special access projects, which are the super secret projects that deal with this subject, um, not just in the U.S., but in Great Britain, Australia, all over, there's representation in every country, China, Russia. It's sort of its own transnational entity that kind of runs Subrosa and beneath the radar of normal governments, that there was a compartment at operation that were had been practicing and had perfected the stagecraft of hoaxing contact. Now this is the part of the story that people do not like for me to tell, but you need to know it and it's controversial. Um, But it's essential if you're going to become someone who has clarity on this subject Beginning in the 19 late 40s and 50s experiments began with electronic systems uh, that led to the ability to alter awareness, but also to create life forms that look like aliens, but are not these are called program life program life forms and in by 1954 October, we had perfected electromagnetic gravitics. What am I talking about? High voltage systems with certain resonant fields and certain specialized materials that allow for us to have lift. A UFO. Man-made. So man-made UFOs, which began to be experimented with with Werner von Braun and others for Adolf Hitler in the 40s, the OSS, that became the CIA through Operation Paperclip, brought those folks into our intelligence community and into our early aerospace program and created uh, a whole parallel secret space program that did not involve rockets. So, you know, I always tell people, if you're a rocket scientist, your knowledge is pretty much locked to 1940s. Uh, Everything that has been developed since then has been classified. Now, because of this, maybe we can turn off cell phones, thank you. Um, Because of this, there became, as as Eisenhower warned, a vast military-industrial complex that was so classified that eventually he lost control of it. And no president since Eisenhower has had operational control over all of these compartments. Now by the time 1989 came around, there had been probably a hundred generations of exponential development of those technologies. And as Ben Rich said, and as I'm sure you saw in the film, Sirius reported at a meeting that Jan Harzan from IBM was at that meeting, he's now the head of MUFON, that we basically had the technologies to take ET home. And that... Uh, The way that communication happened is that it's like ESP, and every point in space and time is connected to every other point. Which is, of course, what we've been saying for a long time. But the technologies that exist in these classified programs begin to be attached to uh, an agenda to deceive people. Because here's what someone said to me in the early 90s as I was preparing to brief the director of the CIA. You hide it in plain sight you hide everything in plain sight it's all there but you put a spin on it so that people are deceived so it's either ridiculous or it's made to look kooky to keep it out of the mainstream media or academic circles or it's something very frightening so people don't want to approach it they're terrified and The added benefit of scaring people is that then you lay the foundation for what Werner von Braun warned us about on his deathbed, that there was an agenda to stage an alien attack on Earth for the purpose of expanding the control of this military-industrial junta that is the biggest industry on the planet today and seize more and more control through a false flag-type operation like the Gulf of Tonkin. Uh, in Vietnam, which, as you know, expanded the Vietnam War exponentially when we sort of hoaxed and staged the attack on our uh, vessels in the Gulf of Tonkin and Vietnam. But this would be on a cosmic level. So beginning in the 50s and 60s, a plan was created to have events happen, controlled events, that would convince people that they were having experiences from ETs that were actually being done
1: through what's called stagecraft from people. So that's Dr. Stephen Greer and he is really at the forefront of what was the disclosure movement and then over the course of time here it looks like he has become more and more cautious and also you know, more honest in his discussions and we often have to take a closer look at at some of these individuals and some of the other information that they're introducing but for our purposes in in the hours of discussion that we can see with dr Stephen greer the point is is that we're trying to get at this issue of the the secret space program if you will the 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 low-hanging satellite the projects that um, that are super secret and that are that are being introduced in order to control the world population. So I think we're at a point now where you can see that the it's it's kind of hand handed. You have to watch the the different news programs come across the air with the different UFO disclosure uh, deals, and you have to have the different aspects of the government kind of supposedly. Declassify documents and information so that people can believe this. But you can—you have to realize that it's a belief system, and it's—it's it's basically a religious ideology at this point. It's been prepared and set up so that people can't even really look at the, the stars without this prejudiced view that the cosmos is filled with life forms everywhere, and Yoda is out there, and, and we're going to use the Force. And and of course, the the, the whole notion. And premise that uh, the, the the life there, there are UFOs and that there are flying saucers and that there are Martians on them is something that has been built into our thinking for a long time. And in order to really kind of get the the nature of this discussion, this whole topic, really well established, we have to go back to the hardest core conspiracy theorists in the world, and this is going to be Bill Cooper, and he's famous. If you don't know who Bill Cooper is, I'll be surprised. And he has the famous book, uh, Behold a Pale Horse. I can still remember when I was a, in elementary school on the school bus, when one of the other kids in the bus asked me if I had read The Pale Horse, one of the older kids. And I, and I was like, and I, it, you know, it, it always stuck with me. And there was no internet at the time to Google and search it, but I, I did do the, the, the footwork and the legwork in the card catalog. The Dewey Decimal System to ultimately find Bill Cooper, William Cooper, if you will, and if you know through you know hundreds and hundreds of hours of listening to his discussions and his readings, he'll literally read you know books on Freemasonry in his uh, in his radio program and so on and so forth. And he was a guy who was killed right uh, right on 11 So it would be the police show up at his house? So it was, was supposed some supposed random phone call. I think it was in New York State. And they show up, and he gets shot, and he gets killed, and that's and it's all during the period of 9-11 when so much stuff was going on, and the Twin Towers fell, and ultimately there was a, the death of William Cooper. So in order to understand the whole crux and the, the nature of what he believed as a conspiracy theorist, we'll have to deal with this issue of Project Blue Beam, and that's what we're going to do now. We're going to listen to his words, and we're going to play a clip uh, the, a short clip that where he discusses his thoughts after years and years of research what
5: do you think about it?
2: I don't think there are At one time, I thought that there were simply based upon documents that I'd seen while I was attached to the intelligence briefing team the commander-in-chief of the Pacific Fleet. At that time, uh, and, and even for many years afterwards, I did not believe that the government would use me in that way. I had devoted my whole life to government service. I had been in the Air Force. I was in the Navy. I was a river patrol boat captain in Vietnam. I had, uh, I had proved myself. I had combat ribbons with the V for valor, Um, there was no doubt of my loyalty to my country, and maybe that's why it was so easy to use me, because I wouldn't doubt that what I saw was real. But over the years, I've done a lot of research, what I've discovered is there's no proof existing anywhere that extraterrestrials are real, or that have ever visited this planet, uh, or that they exist anywhere in the universe. There is not one shred of evidence anywhere. There is lots of evidence, tons of it in fact, that there are a group of people, collectively known as the Illuminati, who want us to believe in some extraterrestrial threat from space so that they can cause a world government, you know, bringing together of all the people to resist that external threat. Uh, And uh, the first time that I saw any reference to that, I was reading some papers from the Carnegie Endowment Fund, and there was a record of a speech, um, well, it was a dinner for Viscount Nishiki of the Japanese delegation, the Japanese Imperial delegation, in 1917. And John Dewey was, was one of the speakers, and the first sentence out of his mouth as I was reading this almost fell out of my chair because this was in 1917, and he said the best way to cause all people in the world to come together in in one world government and end war forever would be if we were attacked by some other species from some other planet. And boy, that just clicked with me, and I knew that, uh, that, that this is just another scam. This is the age of deception, there's no doubt about it. And then uh, eight times during Reagan's administration, he inserted almost the exact same phrase into eight of his speeches. And uh, it's a scam. (laughs) That's, That's what I can tell you. What they call UFOs, these craft that fly around the sky, are real. But they're not piloted by some little green guy from some other planet. They're owned and operated by... The United States of America for one, the Soviet Union for another, uh, probably Great Britain, Canada. I think the, uh, the first really operable ones were probably manufactured in Western Canada, in the wilderness, in a, in a, in a place especially built to, to create those machines, like we created the Manhattan Project, uh, and, and the same kind of secrecy surrounded it. So the technology is real. It's been kept secret, and it's been used to promote this concept that there's an alien threat to this Earth. The cattle mutilations I've discovered in my research are nothing more than than what's left after the government uh, does its secret tests on the the low-level radiation leakage from its atomic weapons, assembly plants, and atomic power plants. It's a low-level radiation monitoring project. And if you look at what's missing in the cattle, you'll see that it's just as clear as day. They take the lips. They take the tongue. They take a six-inch patch of skin. They core out the, the, uh, the rectum, the colon area, where those kinds of things would collect them. They would pass through the uh, through the uh, digestive system. On, on female cows, they take the, the udder uh, to check for low-level radiation in the milk being passed to the to the calves and, and these are all grazing animals that graze on the grass that where the radiation falls when it falls from the air and uh, it's just an incredible deception and I'm just amazed that people have fallen for it in the manner that they have in the absence of any proof whatsoever I mean they cite hearsay as proof Well, at this point, I've done so much research on this, um, I have to tell you, there's only one way this is going. There's going to be a civil war in this country, and I hope the outcome of the war will be the reinstatement of constitutional republican government. But whenever you have a war like that, you're going to have competing factions to be the winner. And whoever really has the power in the end is going to institute whatever kind of government they feel should be there. There are people in this country who believe that a religious theology, a theocracy, should prevail. Well, if that happened, we'd have burnings at the stake again, inquisitions, and heretics, and all these kinds of things. So that can't be allowed to happen. Can't be. Doesn't matter what my religion is. It can't be allowed to happen. There are people who want a socialist government, much like the one in Sweden. There are people who want to create in the United States what the Soviet Union had hoped to be. Um, There are real Nazis, all of them socialists. Hitler was a socialist. So I see the future as being tremendously dangerous for all of us. Me and many others like me are going to perform a valiant attempt to reinstate, restore, legitimate lawful constitution of government. Whether or not we're going to be successful, I can't tell you. But I will tell you that once this war starts, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be bloody, and it'll last for 10 15 years. That's the nature of this kind of conflict. If you look around all these mountains around here, there's enough guns, ammunition, supplies, clothing, and food buried in these mountains to support an army for 15 years. And I, I don't think the American people realize that they're on the brink of a civil war. You see, there are many of us who took an oath. and We went in the armed forces and we meant it. We volunteered. We were drafted. We care about this country. And the oath was to protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And we will fulfill that oath, even if it means we die in the process of doing it. It's that simple. So what do you see happening in the next four to
3: six months? Well,
2: I I don't have a crystal ball. All I know is that the year 2000 is crucial to the plans of those who want world government. Because they've whipped up sort of a millennium fever, and they coupled that with Y2K and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, uh, real religious people who think that this is the end of the world, Jesus is coming, or somebody's coming imminently. And uh, so there's this fever that's whipped up. I mean, everybody seems to be on the edge of some kind of hysteria. Uh, but it's all in their mind. If you look around, you see the world hasn't changed. It's not coming to an end. Uh, This hasn't been brought about by the hand of God, it's been brought about by the deceptions of man. And the quicker people realize that and try and find out who is causing these things to, to whip up this hysteria, the better off they're going to be. So it becomes
1: clear that the issue of extraterrestrials and the politics that the the international politics that, that that plays the way that that plays within the idea of global governance is very effective and it's it's kind of a strange thing to to point out because we've been so inundated and so completely programmed to expect ufo's and and lightsaber battles and Doctor, uh, was it, uh, Mr. Spock, live long and prosper. And we, you know, and you do the little hand sign. I'm doing it now. And you, we were just completely inundated. A lot of that had to do with Gene Roddenberry, and a lot of that had to do with L. Ron Hubbard, who created Scientology, and a lot of it had to do with you go back to Jack Parsons' lab at uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratories, and it goes all the way back to this Project Bluebeam, and it goes back to the uh, Operation Paperclip that sucked all these, these Nazi scientists into America, into the CIA, and how they just had a free reign, and a free ru- run to just basically d- do continue their operations that they had in uh, in, in, in under uh, in Hitler's Germany, and they brought those programs here, and you can see that they're beginning to enact those programs, and they've had a long time to work in space with the International Space Station and the different uh, the satellite systems that they have in place now—it's really incomprehensible what they're, they're capable of. But we're st- starting to see the practical effects of that technology in our lives, as people are beginning to see beams bounced off the, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, and we're beginning to—people are seeing discs fl- fly by in the sky and UFOs. We're all trying to figure out what's happening, and, and it's curious that if you go back and you look at the the final pinnacle of William Cooper's uh, thoughts, the the, the final crescendo of all of his ideas regarding uh, conspiracy theories and and the, the the secret classified programs of our government and it all comes out that there is a secret space program and they're desperately trying to convince the world that UFOs are, are right over our heads and flying around and we should all forget about our problems here on earth and just imagine how it's going to be when we can just go on the uh, on the great spaceship and fly away and and we'll all be like it'll be like Battlestar Galactica right So in order to kind of like make this point and drive it home a little more, we have to go back to the point that he made about Ronald Reagan. President Ronald Reagan is going to go around and uh, as a good globalist agent, he's going to be uh, espousing this kind of thinking. And we have the audio clip when he was at the United Nations. So here's President Ronald Reagan at the United Nations discussing the alien threat. In our obsession with antagonisms of the moment,
6: we often forget how much unites all the members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bound. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world.
1: So it's clear that the framing of this particular perspective, this particular ideological stance, is coming from uh, somewhere, and it's developed, you know, within the last 50 years, if you go back in time, that we never really had, that maybe the ancient ancestors were worshipping sky gods, but they had no real consideration of, you know, advanced technology and i think the whole idea of sky gods is going to be wrapped up into this the notion that the project Bluebeam really assembles all the different parts for us to to look at it. and you have to understand that the movies the movie industry the whole genre of science fiction and the idea of aliens has become so replete in our way of thinking today and it's something that's just discussed as common knowledge even though it's it's complete and total fiction so in as much as we have movies like today, like uh, The Arrival, a really good movie It shows the arrival of, of aliens and then they, they come to the different nations of the world. And the people of the, the world have to you send in emissaries and send in scientists to try to communicate with the aliens and try to uh, – and, and, and the whole aspect of it, if you, if you understand the effect of it politically, is to unite the world into global governance and to do this with this, this seeming uh, new – Revelation, and it's, it's a seeming moment of Eureka when everyone in the world is supposed to suddenly stop focusing on their, their nativism and their, their nationalism and their local, their colloquial customs and and the simple-mindedness of, of, you know, human tribalism and to, to move on to this galactic thinking. So we'll, all, we'll all, you know, be like, and it reminds me of, uh, if you watch the Marvel comic book movies, Defenders of the galaxy, or whatever, whatever it is, and it's really not that interesting. But the point is that they show these massive flying crafts that hover around like UFOs, and their secret technology, and all the the advanced agents of the government who are there to protect the world from outside alien external threats. So you can see that this theme re- repeated again and again. And the ships, you know, they cloak themselves with clouds that come out. So they're really just they're they're, they're incrementally installing these ideas in our brain. All right. So this is this is the most simple simple form of brainwash, where every single uh, movie, every single film that you watch is going to be just constantly repeating the same broken record theme that aliens from another world are angry at us and we have to uh, protect ourselves and we have to go into space and weaponize space. Okay. So that's that's the theme. So we're gonna have a few more. Uh, people that are going to take a shot at explaining this again. We're looking at classified documents. I mean, everyone raised their hand if they've been in Area 51. Okay, because I have not. So we, we really don't know. We could, if you go back to the Independence Day, it was all about Bill Pullman was the president and, and he was going to finally learn the secrets of Roswell and, and, and they were going to take him down there and show him that, that they had been doing this UFO research and they had these live alien creatures. And, and so that's what we're all supposed to believe in. We're supposed to take our eye off our religious perspective. If we're Buddhist, we could just forget that, and we can now look to the stars and to the heavens and to the sky gods who have so much advanced technology that we should all kneel down and be prepared to accept their arrival. And and so that's the overarching theme of the Project Bluebeam. And so they're setting up with, with all their satellite links and all their holograph technology. They're beginning to set up in space a way to perpetrate this... Massive deception on the American people. So, we have a few more articles and discussions and lectures that are interesting, and we're going to just blow this whole topic wide open.
7: If you don't know, then find out, right? So, right now we're talking about a documentary. We're going off of stories of what we're being told, right? But I'll tell you this a lot of the things that they had said in this documentary, and Stephen Greer has come out saying, what, about two, three years ago. It's starting to line up. And if it, if it plays out the way that he says it's going to play out, there's there's going to be some hysterical people that are not informed. And there's going to be people who are informed. They're going to be pretty angry. Because this goes hand-in-hand hand with Project Bluebeam, which we heard. and The idea of Project Bluebeam, no. What that is... Basically, we have what's already known as, I don't know if you want to call it a new world order or one world government, right? Different governments working well, together. You end, almost.
0: Right,
8: right. You go back to the all these different uh, Illuminati, et cetera, et cetera, secret, right. you know, knowledge schools. Um, and, and their goal is to... Or, or at least it's claimed that their
7: goal is to go ahead and, and centralize control all in, you know, one group. You know, the Bill group, you know. Right. So, it, I don't know if you've ever seen this. Um, so, in the, in the past recently, with the passing of Michael Jackson, the passing of uh, Tupac, you, you see them, they put... Uh, Holograms on stage where they perform. It's the holograms and they look so real. And what we're being told is that that is, that is breadcrumbs of the technology that these governments have been going hand in hand and working on with satellites surrounding the earth that we can't see because not, not everybody's an astronaut here. But what is supposed to happen, and this is how Project Blooming works, is they project images. They project images down on the earth to make us think. And this is where Stephen Greer comes into play. He says, Look, they're going to fake an alien invasion in order to bring together a one world government to make you think that we have to protect ourselves as which is bizarre. It's especially in eighty-seven. It's real eighty-seven. It's real bizarre. Now, I ask this question: If we have the technology to do so, okay? And again, Stephen Greer in this documentary also claims the plan is to also give the image of the second coming.
8: Right. Right. So basically, so what you're what you're talking about here is you're talking about we talked about disclosure in the last podcast, and now we're talking about is it really disclosure, or are we talking about disinformation, or are we talking about like a false flag? Mm -hmm. Is that that that's you know basically what this blue beam is, right? A possible false flag.
7: Right. So so in 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 the documentary, Richard Doty, uh, Air Force Office of Special Investigations, uh, or RET, right? He's. I mean, we're talking about a guy who would know all of this stuff, who says he's he's been in detailed with all these actions. So the technology we have, you know, Element 115 and all this fun stuff. And if you don't know what Element 115 is, look it up. And actually, you know, look up Bob Lazar. And then a lot of this stuff gives uh, gravitas to his, his claims. He, in order to get in and out into the lab, at that point... And what was it, late late 70s, early 80s? They had already had fingerprint identification. they had already had retina identification. Th- this is technology that we're recently, I mean, you look at your cell phones now. You can open up your phone with your thumb, with your thumbprint. I mean, we didn't have that 10 years ago. They had that. You know, late seventies, early eighties. So, yeah, I mean, they have technology now that I'm sure we won't find out about for another 30, 40 years, maybe more. All right, yeah,
8: I couldn't find the quote. I apologize for that. Uh, but I know there was a uh, there was a gentleman the word the skunk works, and he did claim that whatever the public thinks our technological ability is, that they are so far ahead of that that we would not believe it, and that we have the technology to take E.T. home. So, you know, that yeah. leads to your whole point, Mario, of, you know, whether you believe there there is this ability to have some sort of hologram or projecting type of technology going back to this Blue Beam, Project Blue Beam. Uh, believe it or not, they, they have more technology than you can even think of.
7: Right. (laughs) Your government's not exactly on the up and up with its American people. Never has been.
1: So in order to really understand the historical relevance of this, you have to go back and recognize that World War II, there was Operation Ratlines where most of the German uh, Nazi High, uh, the the Third Reich High Command was secretly ushered off uh, quietly over to Argentina. And Argentina was a place where the, where the German expatriates and war criminals could safely live out the rest of their lives. Many people are now documenting that Adolf Hitler was also part of the rat lines and survived, and it was not his skull or body that they found, burned, and supposedly committed suicide. Uh, no one can convince me that Adolf Hitler would commit suicide. It's just not in the man's DNA. And the whole point is, is that the the Soviets tried to get some of the Russian scientists in order to have a scientific advantage because they the the Nazi German scientists were the most advanced, most educated, and most uh, technologically superior, uh, you know, intellectual class of scientists in the world at that point, in as much as that the. The Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, went in, uh, and which became the CIA, and they wanted to take all these Nazi scientists. And they, the Nazi scientists had an invented V2 rocket technology and rocket boosters that they put on jets so that the, the first rockets uh, were used by them. And And their uh, their advanced uh, technological edge that they offered, the CIA, came into play. Everyone knows about the, the, the Vril, the, the, the Bell Project, where uh, – Apparently Nazi di- scientists were experimenting with flying crafts and and experimenting and this is back in in, in, the, in the 40s and the 1950s, uh, they were experimenting with, unidentifying flying objects. So it, 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 we have to follow the bouncing ball. The CIA gets the Nazi scientists. They continue with the projects. And all of a sudden, in 1948, supposedly Roswell, there's a crash, a secret crash of, of UFOs. I mean, if the technology is so great, I don't know why the both of the UFOs crashed, but it's kind of ridiculous. Um, and, and these are the excuses they're going to give for the explosion of technology at this point, um, which we I think there was already in place, but I think that they just developed it and they continued on with the plan. And that's where Werner uh, von Braun comes in because he's ultimately one of the smartest of the rocket uh, uh, scientists. And he comes out and admits that they're going to try to do a fake alien invasion. And, of course, this is going to be Project Blue Beam, And they're... Really confused now. I think the P, I think the ET, you know, Steven Spielberg did his job really well with ET, and I think that they, they did their job really well with Star Wars, and they, they created this uh, science uh, fiction universe for people's minds to kind of live in. So relatively, they believe that uh, I think people now believe that the aliens are flying all over the sky. And that's part and parcel of Project Bluebeam. But ultimately, what you're seeing is that the the advanced technology that the Hitler scientists uh, had, had adapted and developed was being completed by the CAA and is ultimately going to be used against the world populace in order to create this massive deception and this massive hoax. And that's really what we're getting at. Some of these people out there really believe in disclosure and that there are uh, alien life forms. And I'm um, just I'm not one that that really can be taken in so easily. I'm too skeptical of the government and of the history here. And 1948 doesn't seem like it's way back to me. It just seems like that's just a few short decades ago. And it it seems like it's all part of the, the same continuation of the same plan. And so that's really why uh, our other host said that in some ways he felt like the Nazis had won World War II, because ultimately you would have, uh, you know, even before the the nineteen hundreds, you'd have Skull and Bones, who's a, is a in, in Yale, who's a, a specifically and inexorably a German secret society, and, um, and ultimately you can see that the connections there were, were coming up. Ultimately the CIA had many of the Skull and Bones members were, were the, the, the same men who would build up the CIA and, and look for these uh, German Nazi doctors. And so on some level there was a, a German Nazi Fifth column in the United States within the secret societies that you know, and this, these are the individuals that produced George uh, w, George H. W. Bush and then his son George W. Bush, and this is how we arrive at 9-11 And so we really need to look carefully at these these hoaxes, because if you look carefully, a lot of the the, the video that's coming out of UFOs and a lot of the the different kind of light and the, the the globes and spheres and the different kind of phenomenon, the aerial phenomenon that's coming out, you can see that it's clearly light beams that are being projected from space, and that's really what we're going to have to divulge here.
3: The Morrises are experts in non-lethal weapons technology. They are consultants to the Defense Department, CIA, NSA, and world-renowned think tanks. The technology necessary to project three-dimensional images to a point in space requires no new breakthroughs in science. We have the technology now.
9: Overall, Uh, The Non-Lethal Weapons Development Program is aimed at giving our military options between talking and shooting.
10: Specific system development, we really can't talk about. But the
11: Morrises did talk in general about secret military experiments with lifelike 3D projections in the sky called holograms.
3: Holograms on a battlefield would be to divert the attention of the enemy to... Deliver propaganda or something very frightening to make the enemy run away if you think that he will believe that what you are sending is really an angel, um, a devil, a UFO. And where could this type of weaponry be tested? Perhaps not coincidentally along the US-Mexico border at the Army's electronic proving ground in Fort Huachuca, Arizona. Keep in mind that
12: test facilities like Fort Huachuca
3: in Arizona Our electrical optical test beds and part of what they're testing are the effects of these electro optical devices on a target population. And the target population may be us. America has to test American equipment in America.
1: So the Morrises, yeah, we'll add this information into the show notes, and you can go back through when you have time and check it out. And maybe you can look up and read their books and look into their their information. But it seems like that this hologram technology and the projection of it from space is something that has been being worked on for a long time. And you can see that many people are skeptical of the whole purpose of going into space and weaponizing space. And now we have this this idea of hypersonic rockets that are they're going to be in the atmosphere that are you know going to endanger populations. And in, in many ways, the I think that you can see that the governments, especially the more dominant governments and the military industrial complex of the world, is really united in trying to get control of the the theme and the 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 narrative by which to get control of the world population to get in control of the thinking as far as mind control get in control of the philosophical direction by which we the 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 people of the earth have to move together and you can see that I think projecting into the atmosphere things that it, it, it terrify the American people and the people of the world in order to get them to comply with a, glo- a globalist universal New World Order government, if you will. I think it's part and parcel of what we were seeing from them all along. And you can see that ultimately the, the different events that we take so seriously in our lives, that we have ceremonies dedicated to the fallen people of 9-11. At, at this point, the, the question of whether we can accept the legitimacy of our government as it being the government that we instituted for our protection and you know the, these black projects like you know, Operation Blue Beam are are coming to light, and the American people. I think that the, the the suggest the power of the suggestion and the manipulation of the mind is so complete that people are now really what willing to accept the the powerful Hollywood propaganda and all the shows that, that tell us that we're being visited by extraterrestrials. And so, in order to kind of get that, a lot of this work was really done already on a different podcast. We're going to go back to. The Corbett report, and just take a look at the, some of the connections. He does a lot of really good work, and he connects the dots on how these black book projects and this, these these uh, intelligence agency research programs that are uh, intended to go into space in order to find ways to manipulate the the Terrans, you know, the people on the ground, the world populace, uh, you know, the dummies a way to kind of move them, to terrify them and manipulate them on the battlefield or in different situations. And so in order to understand how the funding for this really got started, we need to go back and take a look. And you can see that the idea of, uh, within Hollywood, entering into the the intellectual consciousness of the American, uh, the, the American nation, the populace, widely in the beginning was ultimately... The, the beginning very early on was E.T., the Star Wars, and these different kind of ideas. And also, before that, we said uh, it was H.G. Wells who did his War of the Worlds radio broadcast and created mass hysteria. So you can see that these ideas have been slowly inculcated into our thinking and into the, the mythology of our belief system in the background. And they've been seeding and preparing the ground for, uh, for for this whole idea of a, a hoaxed alien invasion. And so that's really what we're bringing to light. I think they're trying to get to that point. Many people now, uh, they, they can't see the forest of the trees because they're totally consumed with the idea that they're going to meet extraterrestrials and that they're, they're these aliens, these ETs are out there. And we're going to fly in a spaceship and we're going to have a lightsaber. And so that these, the propaganda is so completely strong that they can no longer see what the true agenda is and they've taken their eyes off of the ground in front of them and they put them on the stars and when you do that you're more likely to fall into a pit when you you know because here on the earth we still have to deal with the rational issues of dealing with uh, different hostile nations in a world where a collective elite is trying to enslave the the, the wider mass populations of billions of, of people who are rice paddy farmers or hydraulic uh technician, repair technicians, or their, their farmers, or their students within a high school, or the, the regular people that drive the trucks that bring our gas and our bread, and these are all the regular people of the, the world that are ultimately uh, going to be the victims to the enslavement of this elite class, so we have to look at these these black book projects like Operation Blue Beam and recognize that these are not intended to to help us but ultimately put another level of, of enslavement and ideological constraint over our minds, you know, and, and terror. It's it's really just another level of hysteria and introducing terror uh, to the ma- to the population at large. So in the middle of this COVID-19 thing, we've been hearing more and more of really supposedly smart people that were supposed to, Brett, Bear on Fox, or whoever, uh, come out and talk about disclosure and about UFOs and alien life forms. And and of course, the ground is, is well prepared for this. So we need to go look at the Corbett Report, and we're going to take a closer look at this whole issue here.
11: My mistake, my mistake. No, this is clearly a subject that is propounded time and again ad nauseum in the establishment mouthpiece media. That same media that we know is lying to us about most major world events, either through direct lying or lying by omission. So why are they not omitting this little idea from the cultural context? Why are they constantly returning to the idea of alien presence, alien cover-up, alien invasion, alien threat? Why is this propounded so often? Often, not just in the news media, but of course also in those cultural entertainment productions that I hope we understand are a, at the end product of the culture creation industry that has been predictively programming us, again, for decades, generations, perhaps, to accept various memes and ideas, including, of course, this idea of alien invasion, alien threat, and the fallout and consequences thereof, which again is a theme that has been returned to time and time and time and time and time and time again for the better part of a century by this point. It's almost as if the billionaire power players at the top of this pyramid are actually connected to an idea to implant this idea of alien invasion in the public consciousness for the purpose of manipulating public opinion, and that's because they are connected to such an agenda, demonstrably so.
5: Ladies and gentlemen, here is the latest bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News, Toronto, Canada. Professor Morris of Macmillan University reports observing a total of three explosions on the planet Mars between the hours of 7.45 p.m. and 9.20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This confirms earlier reports received from American observatories. Now nearer home comes a special bulletin from Trenton, New Jersey. It is reported that at 8.50 p.m. a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grover's Mill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Tenton. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles, and the noise of the impact was heard as far north as Elizabeth.
6: Orson Welles' War of the Worlds. Never before had a radio broadcast provoked such outrage or such chaos. Upwards of a million people convinced, if only briefly, that the United States was being laid waste by alien invaders. And a nation left to wonder how they possibly could have been so gullible. By quarter past eight eastern time, Telephones were ringing madly all across the country as concerned Americans tried to determine the whereabouts of relatives, born friends and acquaintances, and most of all, corroborate what they were hearing. What? For the next several hours, newspapers, radio stations, and police precincts from coast to coast we don't know would be about swamped it. with calls. Well, I can't help that,
5: ma'am. We just don't know anything
6: about it. Well, did I say something about a quiet Sunday evening? What's going on? Soon, strange bulletins began coming in over the press service wires. In Bergenfield, New Jersey, just north of Grover's Mill, some 20 families turned up at a police station with all of their household possessions piled into their cars. In Indianapolis, a woman rushed the pulpit in a Methodist church shouting that the end of the world had come. And in Washington State, a spectacularly ill-timed power failure plunged the small town of concrete into darkness and sent terrified residents fleeing into the mountains.
5: The battle which took place tonight at Grove of Mills has ended in one of the most startling defeats ever suffered by an army in modern times. 7,000 men armed with rifles and machine guns hit it against the single fighting machine of the invaders from Mars. 120 known survivors.
3: Here is a special bullet from New York. Well, my wife, she came in, my wife just wringing her hands and, and wailing away. Her eyeballs about
10: to pop out to her lap going,
13: what is it? What is it? What could it be? Is it the Germans? Well,
10: she hadn't heard the word Martians, but I had. There's a brief statement informing us the charred body of
2: Carl Phillips has been identified in the Trenton Hospital. Now here's another bulletin We
12: think that we're really smart, but if there's a cue out there that could possibly be dangerous, we're going to react to it protectively, autonomically, instinctively, fear first, and reason and facts second.
11: Now, I'm sure that the majority of the listening and viewing audience will be familiar with the story of Orson Welles' infamous 1938 radio dramatization of the famous H.G. Wells novel, The War of the Worlds, and the resulting hysteria and panic that ensued, driving people insane, believing them there to be a real alien invasion taking place, and farmers running out into the fields, shooting at grain silos, and the like. And that story is a fascinating one for a number of reasons, namely because it is a confluence of different 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 events in world history at that time that had a very interesting and profound effect on shaping an entire field of study. And of course, this relates to the advent of mass communication technologies like the radio, which was still, to some extent, in its infancy as a broadcast medium at that time, capable of reaching across a nation as wide and diverse as America and reaching however many millions of people at the same time and inducing this kind of mass panic and psychosis. And it is interesting to to study in that regard. And so it is not surprising that it was immediately made the subject of such a study funded by who else? The Rockefellers. And we can take more on this from a very, very important article that was published on globalresearch.ca back in 2012, Early Psychological Warfare Research and the Rockefeller Foundation by Professor James Tracy, reading from that article, quote, the founding fathers of mass communication research could not have established their field without Rockefeller largesse. Alongside World War I propagandist and University of Chicago political scientist Harold Lasswell, psychologist Hadley Cantrell was a principal contributor to the knowledge and information that helped propel Rockefeller-controlled enterprises and American empire in the post-war era. Throughout this period, Cantrell provided the Rockefeller Combine with important information and new techniques in public opinion measurement and management in Europe, Latin America, and the United States. A roommate of Nelson Rockefeller's at Dartmouth College in the late 1920s, Cantrell took a doctorate in psychology at Harvard, co-authoring the psychology of radio with his doctoral mentor, Gordon Allport in 1935. Radio is an altogether novel medium of communication, Cantrell and Allport observed preeminent as a means of social control and epochal in its influence upon the mental horizons of men. The work garnered the attention of Rockefeller Foundation Humanities Division officer John Marshall, commissioned by the foundation with convincing commercial broadcasters to include more educational programming into their advertiser-driven schedules. To this end, Rockefeller was funding fellowships at the CBS and broadcasting networks. Aware of the Dartmouth connection, Marshall encouraged the enterprising Cantrell to apply to the foundation for support. Cantrell's request resulted in a $67,000 grant for a two year charter of the Princeton Radio Project at Princeton University. There, Cantrell proceeded to develop studies assessing radio's effects on audiences. In 1938, Cantrell also became a founding editor of the Rockefeller Foundation-funded Public Opinion Quarterly, an organ closely associated with U.S. government's psychological warfare endeavors following World War II. When the Princeton venture commenced, another trained psychologist close to Rockefeller, CBS Director of Research Frank Stanton, was named PRP Lead Researcher, but took a secondary role of Associate Director due to his position at his broadcast network. At this time, Austrian émigré social scientist Paul Lazarsfeld was recruited to join Cantrell. Thus, Cantrell, Stanton, and Lazarsfeld were closely affiliated and ideally positioned to embark on a major study involving public opinion and persuasion. The opportunity for such an analysis presented itself when CBS broadcast Orson Welles' rendering of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds on October 30, 1938. Lazarsfeld saw the event as especially noteworthy and immediately asked Stanton for CBS funds to investigate reaction to what at the time was the largest immediate act of mass persuasion in human history. Over the next several months, interviews with War of the World's listeners was collected, provided to Stanton at CBS, and subsequently analyzed in Cantrell's 1940 study, The Invasion from Mars, a
1: study in the psychology of panic. End quote. So now we're starting to lift lift up the the rock and see what all the the little dirty and ugly critters and worms are underneath there. And if we go back, we can really, James Corbett here is going to do a lot of the research for us and, and help us lay the groundwork. But ultimately, 1938 is going to be 10 years before 1948. And they really they did a number on the American people at that time, and they didn't want to, I don't think they wanted to lose the gains that they made. And so in 1948, they would have this idea of the Roswell crashes, and there were supposedly uh, vehicles in the desert. And, and they, they, I think that they had to convince the local sheriff and the local municipalities that these things were real. And the government was trying to hide them. And ultimately, there was uh, it would leak, and the, the newspapers would come out and, and, and talk about how in Roswell, in 1948, there was going to be these crashes of these crafts, and that there was these supposedly alien beings. And, and so it was a continuation of the psychological campaign, the psychological warfare against the American people, and it really in, in, in the wider Why the world population that's still relatively in the middle of developing and isn't quite at the point technologically that the American people are. So subsequently the world population is going to be manipulated and influenced by this propaganda also. But the end result is really that people begin to believe in Martians. Because they begin to believe that there are uh, little green men and spaceships flying around from other planets and that we're in danger. And so this is a way to start to put chains and put bondage on your mind and to, and to, and to wrap your, your mind and your intellect and the horizons uh, of your intellect in a cage. So that's that's what really ultimately they're doing here. And I think we need to, we do, we need to list the, the Corbett report a little bit more to get the full analysis here.
11: A fascinating little tidbit from history, I trust that you'll agree. And if you do, I hope you'll go and follow the link in the show notes to that original article so you can continue reading about Hadley Cantrell's adventures providing studies and information about psychological persuasion to the Rockefeller Foundation and how that developed and contributed towards psychological warfare techniques for the U.S. Army and things of that nature. But again, I think it is interesting to see this confluence of H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds becoming a radio dramatization which incites this mass panic, the largest immediate act of mass persuasion in human history that is then studied by the Princeton Radio Project backed up by the Rockefeller Foundation. But you could argue that that's a tangential connection or or just a coincidental uh, connection, that this doesn't mean that the Rockefellers are interested in mass uh, persuasion in terms of alien invasion per se, it's just that that was the immediate causal, uh, proximate cause of this particular study. So you might fruitfully ask, are there any other connections between Rockefellers and this idea of faking an alien invasion or an alien presence of some sort? And the answer is yes. Yes, there is such evidence.
10: Mr. Rockefeller backed many UFO related projects in the period between the late 80s and 2000. But for the purpose of this hearing, we will concentrate on his political initiatives in these areas. Lawrence Rockefeller's first forays into ufology started sometime in the late 80s through Dr. Cecil B. Scott Jones, a parapsychologist and former US Navy commander who had worked as naval attache in Asia and at the Naval Scientific and Technical intelligence center. Between 1985 and 1991, Jones was special assistant to Senator Claiborne Pell, the powerful Rhode Island Democrat chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, who was deeply interested in parapsychology and who probably many of you met personally. Senator Pell was also friends with Lawrence Rockefeller and both served on the board of the Human Potential Foundation, a small think tank launched in 1989 in Vienna, Virginia by Jones to conduct, research into all conditions of humankind, physiological, psychological, and spiritual. Many of the papers released by the White House OSTP come from Scott Jones, who knew Dr. John Gibbons, a physicist who worked for many years as director of the Office of Technology Assessment for the U.S. Congress and was appointed in 1993 by the Clinton administration to direct the OSTP. What was the exact turning point of Lawrence Rockefeller's evolution from a general interest in consciousness studies into the specific area of UFOs and extraterrestrial intelligence is still unclear. But the end of the Cold War and the arrival in Washington of a younger generation represented by Bill and Hillary Clinton are key factors. He felt that time was ripe for a new and fresh approach into an area that had been previously dominated by a Cold War mentality. Rockefeller recruited for these efforts a longtime associate, Henry L. Diamond, an environmental attorney from Washington, D.C., whose links to the family went all the way back to the 1960s when he worked with Lawrence in his conservation activities. Diamond also knew John Gibbons, and so he was the right person to make the first contact with the OSTP chief when he sent a memorandum on March 29, 1993, requesting a a meeting. And I'm quoting now the first paragraph. Lawrence S. Rockefeller, who is a leading U.S. conservationist, businessman, and philanthropist, is anxious to have a brief meeting with Dr. Gibbons to discuss the potential availability of government information about an identified by flying objects and extraterrestrial life as one who has had a long time interest in environmental and spiritual issues mr rockefeller with other leading citizens is planning to make an approach to president clinton on this subject
1: so just pause right there he's going to just play the full the full uh the press hearing that they're having here so they're having the press hearing here uh, it's regarding disclosure and they're starting to present some, like, 1960s classified documents that they're, we're all supposed to be really impressed by. It, or it's supposed to really seal the deal in our minds. We're supposed to be compelled to believe that surely E.T. and Yoda are right above our heads. And they're they're waiting to, to watch and test humanity to see what kind of, what we do. And if we're worthy of evolving to the next step, isn't that like the, the Star Trek thing? You know, Spock, you know, the Vulcans, they're there. They want us to, to develop whatever. Anyway, I'm not going to continue with that. But the point is is that you can see that the Rockefeller uh, elite globalist uh, world government stormtroopers, if you will, are just really using and putting to good use the, the groundwork that they laid early on when, they, when the CIA prepared us to believe that there was a threat from space or that there was a, an alien race or alien beings with UFOs. And I think it's, it's fascinating that we have all this, this documentation, and they're going to have with them Dr. Greer, who's ultimately going to be one of the ones that's co- going to come out and expose the fact that Project Bluebeam is really a project of mass deception and mass uh, population mind control. And I think it's fascinating because this, this is 1993, and they're trying to do this UFO disclosure situation, but in 1993, suddenly there was the first World Trade Center attack. By terrorists, right? But of course, we find out if you if you watch and listen to the the podcast and, and pay attention to the information, you recognize that the 1993, the first World Trade Center attack, was really orchestrated by the FBI, and in fact, the FBI actually built the bomb that blew up in the the World Trade Center in 1993, and that, and that at that time destroyed all this work and and changed the whole topic and the whole subject of UFO disclosure. And just ended the whole the whole conference at that time, and then of course they come back out in 2001 with Richard Greer, Dr. Richard Greer again, and they attempt to do the disclosure again. And of course, at that point in September of 2001, they're interrupted by 9/11, and then the whole idea of the disclosure uh, discussion is again is capped off and just it ended because of the events of 9/11. So, having said that, let's continue on now with the the disclosure of this information on. Uh, uh,
12: I invite all of the political media, all media in general, but certainly the political media, to look at the Rockefeller Initiative. It is one of the great stories in American history. It's one of the great political stories, certainly of this or any other time. It is filled with amazing people who are still around and still very powerful. At the time that Rockefeller approached through his attorney, President Clinton, Clinton's key, his very key advisors was John Podesta the chief of staff at the time was Leon Panetta. The wife of the president at the time was Hillary Clinton. A good friend of the family at the time, soon to be Clinton's secretary of energy, was Bill Richardson. And this event went on or this initiative went on for six years. The press completely ignored it as if what's the news there it's just a billionaire rockefeller trying to get the president to release all the files on this phenomena possibly put a, uh, a letter into every newspaper in the country and release uh and basically and, and the truth embargo there's no news there now for those of you not immersed in the
11: topic of the disclosure movement. You may not be familiar with some of these names and faces, but uh, some of the main ones to take note of are, of course, Dr. Stephen Bassett, who f- who founded and runs something called the Paradigm Research Group at ParadigmResearchGroup.org. He defines himself as a political activist, a lobbyist, commentator, the executive director of Paradigm Research Group and the Extraterrestrial Phenomenon Politicalist Action Committee, and executive producer of the X Conference, the Citizen Hearing on Disclosure, and the Congressional Hearing Initiative, and Dr. Stephen Greer, who runs something called the Disclosure Project, and he describes himself as the father of the disclosure movement and uh, the person who presided over the groundbreaking National Press Club Disclosure event in May of 2001 so these are some of the biggest names if not the biggest names in this disclosure movement and well they don't really make a secret of the fact that the Rockefellers are are, or specifically Lawrence Rockefeller was a big help in getting this movement launched back in the mid-1990s and again we can document this and in order to do so let's turn to a very important website which I will commend to your attention and I hope that you guys out there have well I know some of you have already found it and have emailed me about it. I have found it myself, and it seems that myself and the author of this website are in accord on a number of our uh, political uh, views, especially the uh, the overall way in which the uh, the BRICS in China and Russia and other aspects of the New World Order system are being used as the good cop and a good cop, bad cop system. But also, on this subject of the UFO disclosure movement, in a very important article called Why Are the Rockefellers and the Jesuits Guiding the UFO Disclosure Movement at Redefining God.com. I will put the link in the show notes so you can go and follow it, but just reading from that article, quote, The Rockefeller role in getting the disclosure ball rolling is something of an open secret among the disclosure people, the disclosureistas, as I call them. On Stephen Bassett's own Paradigm Research Group website, a specific Rockefeller effort Referred to as the Rockefeller Initiative, is openly touted. The same effort is also touted on Stephen Greer's Disclosure Project website as Project Starlight. During this time, he also served as president 1958 to 1968 and later as chairman 1968 to 1980 for 22 years, longer than any other leader in the fund's history. He was also a founding trustee of the Rockefeller Family Fund from 1967 to 1977. So not only was Lawrence deeply involved in the financial industry, but he was also among the founders of the Rockefeller Brothers Fund and the Rockefeller Family Fund. These funds are notorious for advancing globalist aims under the pretense of philanthropy. Lawrence also served on the Rockefeller Brothers Fund's special studies project. End quote. And the interesting fact that even now, for decades after the publication of the final report, the Prospect for America, the Rockefeller Panel reports, certain sections of that paper, of that report, are still classified, which is interesting in and of itself. But there are also uh, screenshots of some of the the pages of this report here in this, uh, this very important article talking about how they are steering America towards shaping a new world order and things that you would expect to find in a typical Rockefeller study. I suppose the point here is to emphasize that Lawrence Rockefeller, of course, very much in the heart of the Rockefeller matrix, Pushing this global government agenda, which David Rockefeller so gleefully admitted to in his memoirs, as I'm sure we all know, or we all should know by now, and I would again suggest you go to see this original article, if for no other reason than to click on such things as the Rockefeller Initiative or the Disclosure Project's own Project Starlight page, where you can browse through and see all of the main characters who are connected um, through this initiative that ran from 1993 to 1996, including, of course, President Clinton and Lawrence Rockefeller, along with Hillary and uh, Dr. John Gibbons and uh, John Podesta and uh, Vice President Al Gore and all this other... Uh, cast of uh, Congress critters and very unsavory characters, including, of course, Dr. Stephen Greer, uh, the aforementioned uh, father of the disclosure movement. And uh, again, all of these letters are archived here online, so you can go and read through them all and the, the, the various correspondents, including Lawrence Rockefeller and uh, John Gibbons and Lawrence Rockefeller and, uh, and the Clintons. I mean, this is a, a pretty interesting, interesting and openly admitted non-secret that the disclosure movement was really launched with the aid of Lawrence Rockefeller and the Clinton administration. So, I think that should at least get our antennas up towards the possibility that this is going to be used towards the furtherance of some sort of staged or faked alien invasion. Now, that, again, sounds like an outlandish prospect to those, um, those poor souls coming in from mainstream media Land who are just landing on this site randomly, uh, I hope that you will be able to at least appreciate that there might be a reason why the very rich and powerful and well-connected would be interested in doing something as ridiculous and outlandish, I agree with you there, as staging some sort of alien threat, alien presence, whatever it may be. But there, as I say, there are reasons why this might be done, and these aren't reasons that we have to speculate on. We can find all of the usual suspects talking about these reasons in all of the usual places. And of course, the big ones, global religion, global finance, and global government, uniting the world around this perceived alien threat.
12: What is exceptional... What is exceptional is that the Vatican was taking very seriously what science might tell us about the possibility of extraterrestrial intelligent life forms. That's what the conference was about. I can't tell you that the Vatican found any alien life. I don't think that's what they were looking for, but they were taking very seriously the issue.
3: (laughs) We probably won't be seeing aliens at mass anytime soon, but the Vatican's chief astronomer does say that there could exist other forms of life outside Earth. if they do exist, they are God's creatures.
4: How, how does this actually work? When Discovery decided they were going to do a show on alien invasions, your phone rings because you're on the sort of speed dial for theoretical physicists who can help them do
7: the war game for how this might play out? Well, believe it or not, we physicists have actually studied the question of what happens if we do encounter a hostile advanced civilization in space, and Hollywood <laughs> gets it all wrong. Hollywood assumed that the aliens are maybe a hundred years more advanced than us, and If only we had a secret weapon, we can defeat the aliens. Wrong. Either the aliens don't bother with us because we're simply too primitive, or if they do invade, it'll be more like Bambi versus Godzilla. Now the United Nations is getting ready for a contact with aliens from outer space. This is Moslin Offman. She's out of Malaysia. She will be Planet Earth's first interstellar diplomat.
3: First, I I'll have to categorically deny that I was appointed or will be appointed the ambassador uh, for aliens, um, the ambassador for United Nations uh, for aliens. Um, no, the committee is not discussing this very, uh, this subject matter, but yes. I was in the UK to attend a meeting, which I can quote to you, uh, called Towards a Scientific and Societal Agenda on Extraterrestrial Life, which is why this whole thing came about, because um, the British press um, caught hold of the fact that I was going to be at this meeting. And I was on a panel that was discussing, um, they call it the Great Panel Debate. I like that name. Uh, it says extraterrestrial life um, and arising political issues for the UN agenda.
14: It's very hard to get inflation in a depressed economy. But if you have a program of government spending plus an expansionary policy by the Fed, you could get that. So if you think about using all of these things together, you could accomplish you know a great deal. I mean, if, if we... If If we discovered that, uh, you know, space aliens were planning to attack and we needed a a massive buildup to counter the the space alien threat um, and really inflation and budget deficits took secondary uh, place to that, um, this slump would be over in 18 months. And then if we discovered, whoops, we made a mistake. There aren't actually any space So space We space need space space. We'd Well, be a better watch here. saying. No, that's a, that's a, there was a Twilight Zone episode like this in which uh, scientists fake an uh, alien
8: threat in order to achieve world peace. Well, this time we don't need it. We need it in order to get some fiscal stimulus. You
2: saw that there were aliens there. Would you tell us? Yeah. You would. I <laughs>
13: would. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, look, What do we know? We know now we live in an ever-expanding universe. We know that there are billions of stars and planets literally out there, and the universe is getting bigger. We know from our fancy telescopes that just in the last two years, more than 20 planets have been identified outside our solar system that seem to be far enough away from their suns and dense enough that they might be able to support some form of life. So... It makes it increasingly less likely that we're alone.
9: Oh, you're trying to give me a hint that
13: there are aliens. No. I'm trying to tell you I don't know. Oh. But if we were visited someday, I wouldn't be surprised. I just hope that uh, it's not like Independence Day. Yeah, right. That it's, a uh, you know, a, a conflict. Well, now we have friends. Maybe areas. the only way to unite this incredibly <laughs> divided world of ours. They're out there. We better... Think of how all the differences among people on Earth would seem small if we felt threatened by a space invader. That's the whole theory of independence. You're right, you're Everybody right. Everybody gets together and makes nice and, you know.
1: You and Bill O'Reilly would be hiding in a bunker together. Yeah.
13: <laughs> oh, Bill O'Reilly, he'd be the every mean thing he ever said about me. <laughs> I don't care, look at that. <laughs>
11: What an interesting milieu of characters we have floating around there. We have the Vatican and the UN and Nobel Prize winning economists slash Keynesian wingnut Paul Krugman and multiple presidents of the United States and all of these people all talking about the same thing. Wouldn't it be great if we had this idea of an alien threat that would unite us all behind fill in the blank world government or world financial system or or baptizing the aliens? Wouldn't that be wonderful? And it's interesting to look at this I mean I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. I understand and can smell a the public preparation for some sort of staged event when I see one and well if it looks and smells and, quacks like a false flag operation. It probably is one. And again, being supported by some of the most prominent and powerful and well-connected political and financial elites, uh, clearly there is something very, very stinky here. For some of the technology that we do know about, we can Source that in a number of different ways from a number of different seemingly disparate threads, but definitely technologies that we now know exist. One place to start, we can get the clue from uh, the, uh, the book by previous Corbett Report guest, James Perloff. Truth is a Lonely Warrior, where he talks about an uh, Air Force military publication that is was available on the Air Force website. You can still access it through there on the Wayback Machine, and again, the link will be in the show notes. And this is about an airborne holographic projector, which this, uh, again, this af.mil website notes is a three-dimensional visual image in a desired location removed from the display generator. The projector can be used for psychological operations and strategic perception management. It is also useful for optical deception and cloaking, providing a momentary distraction when engaging an unsophisticated adversary. And uh, you can see the unsophisticated visualization that is accompanying this in uh, on the website itself.
1: So The Corbett Report does a good job of laying out some more of the information regarding Project Bluebeam, and he really does a good job of showing how the development of the psychological operations is really being funded mostly by the same elite groups and the same elite families and globalists pushing for world government, uh, the same families who established the United Nations, who are really trying to impress upon the world that there's some kind of Extraterrestrial civilization out there, and that we should all be alarmed and concerned, and to try to drive us through hysteria into the arms of the United Nations. So, in order to move on and really tie this up, we really have this little interesting clip from Jordan Maxwell, and he—I've uh, heard him discuss how he he believes that extraterrestrials are, are real, but in this particular conversation regarding the the different black projects and the the, the government secrecy he's going to discuss how there were plans and intentions laid laid out to bring about a hoax alien invasion in order to unite the people of the world and he discusses that here real briefly
5: Uh, most people kind of in the back of their mind know there's something going on but uh it doesn't have anything to do with football or basketball or my paying my rent so i don't want to fool with it it's not mm. important yeah but everybody kind of feels there's something going on
3: yeah because most people live in a box mm-hmm. and they don't want to in the box I
5: don't they, about it.
3: they open the lid every so now and again and just peep outside and they close it yeah, yeah. you think the governments are going to let us know
5: I think, I'll tell you what, again, it's just my opinion. Uh, Norio Hayakawa, Norio Hayakawa is a very good friend of mine. He's rather famous in the speaking circuit. And he's always talking about how he believes that the uh, government is going to uh, uh, stage some kind of a UFO. Landing is going to frighten everybody, and all the nations will come together and collectively come together as a trick,
3: like a war of the worlds.
5: Yeah, like a war of the worlds. Right. Right? It's all going to be a trick. He thinks right. it's all going to be planned. And I thought, wow, well, wait a minute. If you're going to get, the, there's a lot of intelligent people in this world, and governments are not stupid. So if they're going, if you're going to pull off something like that, it better look good. Mm-hmm. Because it's going to be, absolutely right. It better look good and very absolutely. realistic. So, we've discussed before and on other
1: broadcasts how many people think that uh, they're just ideas, but that many people think that 9 11 was connected with Project Blue Beam and some of the Project Blue Beam technologies. And in some, some ways, people are showing that, that the planes that hit the World Trade Center were really holograms, and that, that there were explosions that exploded, and that there were holograms that were projected and that the people can see and so you you know the the, the, the question begs well is there any video that shows the world trade center's being struck and, and explosions absent any plane and of course there is some video we found it on duckduckgo and it's a video that shows that uh, it's from a helicopter news helicopter high up in the air and it shows the explosions and the building exploding without any kind of plane you know the typical video you see is a plane swooping in crossing in, in broad daylight crossing in the shadow of the world trade center and then right in front of everybody just striking the striking the building but now we can show video of the buildings exploding without any kind of plane or without any kind of projectile hitting the building at all. So this kind of furthers, it's, it's just information and what we'll, we, we think it's, you know, it's suppressed. And I think we'll just add it into the show notes and to the links. There is some information out there that ties in indirectly with this whole concept of project Bluebeam, And there is a lecture, um, David Flynn, and he has a very interesting books, very interesting, um, lectures that he gives regarding Mars. And of course, if you understand Mars, Mars is the name of uh, the god of war, and there's a lot of occult interest in Mars. Originally, I think that uh, back in 1938, I think that people were just getting a closer look at Mars with telescopes. And I think that they thought maybe there was life forms, maybe there was oceans and, and, and forests on Mars. And um, I think that the idea that there are Martians living on Mars is an idea that was introduced there at that time into the, the human mass consciousness. But at the same time, you have to recognize that long before the idea of a civilization on planet Mars, there was a lot of fascination with the the occult science and the, the occult worship of Mars as a deity. Because remember, that if you go back into the Greek and the Roman times, the, the Mars is literally the god of war. And Mars is a real personality, a real being, who is a deity and who the, the men offer worship to, and they and they offer... Uh, in order to be successful in battle, they they will offer sacrifices to Mars, and and so ultimately this red planet is something that men have looked at for many many millennia, and thinking that, that 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 it's a deity. So. We have to look at the background occult history as it links into this fascination with Mars. And the best way to do that is with David Flynn. And, of course, he's an individual who was suspicious of the, the Black Book programs and the classified secret space programs. Uh, but he is also an individual who said that he felt, if you look into his research, that he felt at one point that he saw the, an F, a UFO and that it followed him home. So again, you know, as his research began to expand, and I think as he became more and more a subject of surveillance by the the surveillance state, right? By DARPA, if you will, I think that ultimately he died uh, as a young man suddenly, like a lot of these individuals do. And uh, but we need to look at his research, and he is looking more carefully at the occult side of it and how it ties in with secret societies and i think that he is revealing the 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 secret nature of project bluebeam you know as it as it was being developed to become a program to influence the mass consciousness of human beings and to begin to steer the world towards globalization and so i think we have to in order to really fulfill this this whole topic we'll listen to a, a clip from david flint
9: well, I'm going to have to project my voice, so if anyone can't hear, just let me know here early on, because some of this stuff might get intense, and if you miss one point, you may be lost, and that would be awful. So. First, starting with the classical education that anybody who got a classical education would know, Plato, the uh, earliest philosophers seem to have their act together, and one of the things that... I think is one of the most salient to what I'm going to talk about is geometry. And Plato said that geometry rightly treated is the knowledge of the eternal. Now, just cursory look at that, it's like, well, yeah, he really was into geometry. He was really, really into uh, doing math. <laughs> that wasn't uh, That wasn't the thing, though, because he looked at it as a religion. He's talking about the eternal, and eternity... The attribute of actually possessing eternalness is something that's ascribed to the main deity. Geometry of course isn't just uh, measuring circles and squares and determining angles, it's actually measuring the earth, geometry. It's actually incorporating both the name for earth and measurement. So how can measuring the earth somehow give us an idea of God, and in addition, Eternity connects to time. So how can time be connected to the Earth? Well, maybe we in modern uh, civilization haven't really connected with this understanding. Maybe it's antiquated thinking on Plato's part. But I assure you, there are people who are around right now who have taken this quite literally and incorporated it into their religion. It's a religion of geometry. It's a religion... Is connected to this idea of eternity. I'm sure everybody has seen this before. This is a compass and square. And it's, you know, it's not a secret, even though it's a symbol of a secret society. And I don't want to step on anyone's toes inadvertently. I'm not going to demonize Freemasons. But I'm going to talk about something that I think the highest echelon of the lead, understands. And this is the key. The the the, the compass and square are things that you use to measure course angles and, and, uh, and build things with. But they're also very connected to the idea of maps and measuring distance on a map. And you can actually pick up quite a, a bit of information from the Freemason sites on the internet or other grimoires or books that are out. Because they, they give us the information that we need to understand pretty much what they understand in the earliest, you know, the earliest levels that they move into. They see the symbols and they uh, incorporate this into each of the uh, initiate degrees. And they measure themselves a, a learned attainment on the degree that they move into. And it's interesting because the name compass in in Latin is cumpassus, which means by degree, by step, by increments. And so it doesn't have to necessarily connect to this idea of a magnetic compass. It doesn't have to be connected to this idea of this compass and square necessarily. It's just anything with degrees in it. So we're talking about Primarily circles, but anything that measures circles and also the, the system that actually measures them. And this is where the, the uh, complexity comes in. Why do they just end at 33? Here's You have a representation of all the orders that you can possibly come up with when it comes to the illuminated fraternities you have order of the Knights Templar, Knights of Malta, of uh, Rosicrucians, and the earlier Freemations, the, the, uh, uh, the Scottish Rite, and um, they list most of them right along this line here, but they end at 33, the size they go. You know, everybody's had geometry in school. There's 360 degrees in a circle. What's up with 33? I just think that's going to be surprising to you when you see what's happening with it. Here we have Christ Himself as the creator of the universe, but He's using the compass, and He's actually creating a circle with it. Here it's in the point, that's how you use it, and you describe a circle with it. So he's actually creating something that has degrees two that you measure, and that's also a compass. So so the actual instrument and the symbol that is actually drawn with it can be considered compasses. Here's something, I think, that can tie the mystery into what a compass and 33 have going for it. Uh, what's going on with the whole system. This is called a compass rose. It's been used for hundreds of years by navigators on the ocean. And it incorporates 32 lines. And every one of these words here for the novice navigator would have to learn these 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 directions. They're all different. And you can see this is in a different language than English. So, but basically it'd be north, north by north. Northeast, north, northeast, you know, you go all the way through 32 times and then end up at this point, which is zero and 33. They found that 33 was the most important number in a system of measuring the earth and traveling on the earth. In the center of it, they actually incorporate a rose, too. And this cross is pointing to the east, which represents Jerusalem. There's a connection going on there, too. This was known by navigators as boxing the compass. They would memorize all these names, 33 of them, from 0 to 32. And 32, of course, would be 0 at the same time. So you have the sublime 33 degrees. Or if you were going to talk about a perfect third, you have 33.333333 degrees. So they seem obsessed with 33. This is an early map from about the 1600s. You can see these compass roses here. They all have 33 lines radiating outward from various places. So what you could do, if you knew what your latitude was, which is pretty easy to do, you just keep a heading on one of these lines and you'll eventually run into land. And here's some early navigators incorporating the compass roses. You can even see some red cross motifs in here too, which are very characteristic of the whole system of navigation connecting to the east. And you'll often hear fellow uh, illuminated fraternity members talking about their fellow travelers. They travel to the east. They're sons of the widow and they're following the eastern star and so on and so forth. It's all the same thing. This is a compass, whose highest degree is thirty-three and a third. This is called the compass rose, which is interesting because rose is a play on the word for the Hebrew name of the head, Rosh. Here you have the skull and bones. And actual name for Golgotha, which was Aramaic. In Hebrew, Gogaleth is spelled this way. These two letters if you would actually connect them together, equal 33, GL, GL, or Gimel Lamed, Gimel Lamed. And this is a Tav. So in the ancient Hebrew, the T was actually a cross. So symbolically, this is 33, 33, and a cross. So
1: you're gonna to have to take some time and go ahead and check out David Flynn. He's doing like a visual representation. He's gonna show some more stuff. And it maybe it's it's too deep for you. Maybe I'm um, like I'm shooting uh, over the horizon too far here for you. But I really want to show you what is the connection with Mars. And I think that on some level, the elite, the power players, the globalist, uh, the, the owners of the world, if you will, they they do want to go to Mars and they have an interest in it. But I think that it's t- for different reasons than you think and ultimately we need to just point out again and reiterate again that this whole idea of, of of hoaxing the world with high technology and a secret space program in order to lead us around you know with a ring in our nose in order to, to control us is really just the beginning and if you look at uh, Werner von Braun Dr. Werner von Braun the third Reich scientist that the CIA I mean, he's really the father of this whole idea and I think, ultimately, it's a continuation of the, the plan to, uh, which was really, like, like we said, it, it's, it's a projection into the future. It's a plan for the future development of technology. But it's a continuation of the same plan that we saw since the Council of Verona. Uh, it, it, since we had an Austrian become the chancellor in Germany and Hitler and, and destroy Germany. And destroyed the, the birthplace of the Counter Reformation and the, the birthplace of Western civilization. And and freedoms, individual freedoms, and even America, even the, the Bible itself, were all products of Luther, Martin Luther's Protestant Reformation. And so, when we get into this idea of Project Bluebeam and looking up into the the faraway solar systems for alien life forms, we can forget and put behind us the whole idea of religion or a devotion to God or to, or to these differences that we have here. And I think that's why ultimately you're going to find that the Vatican is a huge proponent of, of this, this New Age thinking related to extraterrestrials, and they have some of the most elaborate, expensive satellite telescope orbital array systems in the world. Uh, they, if you go to Arizona, they have the Lucifer Telescope. And so you can see that the Vatican is fascinated uh, to a high degree with the solar system and with the cosmos itself and what's going on there. And I think that ultimately this, this pr- plan to inculcated in our minds an alien civilization is something that was in the works in the Central Intelligence Agency for some very long time and it's really just coming to fruition now in the middle of this COVID-19 situation and just, just a few short decades after the, the whole 9-11 I think that the, the, the eyes of the American people are closed our conscience are seared and in many ways we can we have no way to hold accountable the security state and the security apparatus as it begins to run these these Black Book projects on the world population.
15: We're being bombarded with uh, this. We're, we're being trained and, and inculcated with uh, images on, on television all the time. The History Channel now has History Channel 2, where it's nonstop ancient aliens with Giorgio Tussacos or whatever his name is, with the hair, right? You know, and, and the ugly brown suit. He needs to get a new suit. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, you've got that going on all the time. Uh, ancient aliens on the on the History Channel. Ronald Reagan, you know, famously wondered what it would be like, what it would take to uh, get everybody on, on the planet to work together, and you know he you know said it would would have taken an alien invasion. Economist uh, Paul Krugman has been all over the place here lately, talking about how an alien invasion is just what the economy needs to to you know give it a kick in the butt, and. Uh, you know images of uh christ and and the virgin mary have been appearing all over the world and uh in, and i've got to ask is this uh, uh are these real apparitions or an example of blue beam technology and uh i understand that you can't talk about uh Project Blue Beam, because uh, you've got a history with it. But this uh, Project Blue Beam does exist. And uh, as a matter of fact, they, the United States Army nearly used it during the first Gulf War to uh, throw up a, a hologram of Allah and in the skies over Iraq to, to make the Iraqi Army surrender and, and turn on Saddam Hussein. They did the same thing in uh, in Cuba. Well, almost did the same thing in Cuba. Uh, But yeah, the the holographic technology that we can see, that we can see, that's being demonstrated at at science fairs, you know, whatever they show us, you know that they've got technology that's 50 to 100 years more advanced. Okay, you just know that they do. Now, uh, Jim, how is... uh, I understand there are limitations on what you can talk about. How is he going to, uh, you know, explain... Uh, Is it going to be like a a fake alien invasion? Is it a fake rapture? Because I've heard kind of both scenarios.
14: Well, I like the way you you set this up because you you mentioned the fact of technologies that will be 50 to 100 years ahead. And that's part of it. Uh, It'll be to the advantage of uh, the world uh, for mankind to work very closely with this alien presence. And, of course, the benefit to mankind, because they'll have to be given up something. Something will have to be given up. And that will be the key uh, for uh, Obama as the great salesman, or should I call him the great teleprompter reader? uh, Where where he'll have a chance to, you know, by by the scripting of whoever writes his stuff or the teleprompter, um, he'll be able to sell to the world uh, the notion that there are great advantages for the immediate advancement of mankind. It's got to be immediate. And, of course, there has to be an immediate something, Um, some disaster, some crisis, some impending doom. Maybe it's a meteor. Maybe it's, you know, who knows what it will be. But it will be something that presents itself so that the collective uh, working together of the alien uh, and the human uh, will save humanity in some way. So there's, there's that. There's the two, the acceptance of uh, new technologies, and then a disaster, or impending disaster, uh, that'll cause uh, the, a cooperation between the two. And, and the thing is, if you people will put aside all sorts of crazy arguments and questioning if they think there's impending doom. Uh, immediately, he won't have to answer all sorts of things, uh, theological questions, all sorts of questions will be set aside, because suddenly there'll be a focus on, oh, They've got this that can help us. Well, let's work with them. Other people know about it. China knows about it. They know what the deal was because China now is working with Russia against American interests. Now, that's one thing Obama was successful in doing, bringing the two adversaries, China and Russia, together under a collective interest. And the collective interest, of course, is taking away the power of America across the world.
15: Now, why would China uh, want to do that? They hold most of our debt you know if the united states goes broke walmart is is out of business and and uh
14: well wait though there's a, there's a big shiny star uh on the horizon for this for this group in china um the guarantee is this Uh, And this is, boy, another agreement you won't find. It's like under lock and key as well. The guarantee for the loans that were given to America, based on a dollar, of course, that has nothing but air supporting it. And the world knows that. That's another part of what the agreement is that we'll we'll finish off with in a minute. But uh, uh, China does understand that uh, the world currency is going to have a reset. First of all, the American dollar is going to crash. Once that does will be a reset, and the bargain is this, here's the deal. The deal is that the renminbi, yuan, the Chinese currency, which is now pegged at about six to one, so it takes six Chinese dollars to buy an American dollar. The guarantee is this, when the reset happens, the Chinese dollar, and the American dollar will be at par. We will be now
15: 18.85% of the value of the dollar of today. Okay, well, Jim, let me ask you a question. Uh, would, wouldn't an electromagnetic pulse uh, mm-hmm. be a, a, a good way to, to absolutely just crash our market? I mean, oh, uh, all of our money is in ones and zeros. Yeah,
14: but that will happen uh, after. Uh, the EMP now, I can understand why he's waiting. The EMP will happen after the reset of the dollar. So, when we're down, when the stuff has been kicked out of us, he will then wipe out 300 million people over the, the two years following uh, the EMP device. Of course, and we know that that's, uh, that's the projection.
15: Yeah, and that, that's an awful lot of people. Uh, well, Jim, let me ask you a question. There's. Uh...
14: Oh, can we finish? Let me oh, just yeah, finish yeah, yeah. Uh, so, to satisfy the debt, because China's not stupid. I mean, if suddenly the two are going to be at par, um, well, now they've got a problem. They have been given the uh, the promissory note on the natural resources that reside in, on, uh, under, and above the lands that are federal across the United States. Federal lands across the United States, natural resources that sit on federal lands, have been promised to China. Now, think about this. Boots on the ground are going to be needed because possession is nine-tenths of the law. You have to possess something. If you've been given it, right, in satisfaction of the debt, you must go and possess it. So that's why there are 250,000 Chinese troops in America right now. And you can't tell who they are because they look like students. They look like business people. They look like all sorts of folks, tourists, whatever. There are 250,000 of them in the United States ready to move to be the boots on the ground to take possession of the natural resources.
15: Wow. Uh, you know, Reza had told me that uh, there were about 30 to 40,000 Iranians in the country with the exact same mission. And, uh, you know, he was also telling me how they... Uh, are trained to, you know, take down power you know, individual power stations and just create, uh, mayhem. Matter of
14: fact, Did you mention, did he mention the assassin squad? Because the Iranians yes. have that, yeah, the assassin squad. So their role is to take out influential leaders across America.
15: Right. That's their role. You know, that's what these guys are, are in the United States to do is just create general mayhem. And, uh, but 250,000, Jim, that's an awful lot. Where are they hiding? I mean. Well, like I said, they're students. Yeah.
14: They're, bus- they're business people. Uh, they're tourists. Um, but they are, in fact, here in the United States, they're ready. Uh, they're ready to move toward whatever targets they've been given. And the targets are. Uh, Key natural resources that are on federal lands, but again, they're there to possess it. What authority would they have? Well, they'll have the authority that they get when the blue helmets come in to enforce uh, International treaty and enforce the promissory notes that China has given by President Obama
1: So that was Dr. Jim Garrow and he's on the the show the truth is viral and you can go look that up. I'll add the, the link in, of course. And we're just going to wrap up this episode. And I think you can see the the nature of the the problem that we're dealing with with a a, a technological elite, a, a technocratic security state, a, a biomedical security state now that's absolutely out of control, and uh, it's using every every tool at its disposal to to harness the fear and to develop with propaganda the, the hysteria of the American people in such a way that you can see that they're trying to bring an absolute clearing and an end a total genocide, a total complete, decimation of the American population, the nation, and just to try to entirely just roll the entire thing up. And and that's why it's so strange for us when we see the European Union working with the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, and they're they're beginning to work together and do trade deals. And that's why you can see that the the, the Freemasonry and the secret societies are so completely dangerous and so uh, seething with their hatred against the, the democracy And the political liberty by which we operate here in the United States, and and, and as much as that they've over time taken control of NASA and taken control of the different facilities, the different, the military, the industrial complex itself, especially after World War II, has become really just... A plaything of the international elite, and we're all here in our, in our, in the American populace here, Walmart shoppers that are just trying to find a way to survive and to, to claim our, our constitutional rights. And you can see that in so many ways, those things are gone, and we're facing now an unlimited oligarchy and a tyranny that's coming really from the United Nations, and of course that ties in with the Rockefellers, again, it's, it's a conspiracy, it's a massive, overwhelming conspiracy, and, and I think that the, the, the power elite, we, we were talking earlier on, Dr. Greer was talking about the prince and the king of Liechtenstein, I think that the power elite in Europe haven't changed much, and like I said before, we're still looking at the same secret treaty of Verona, the Council of Vienna. Which is really just a, a really like an, ex- an extension and the continuation of the Council of Trent, and it's and it's really just the the development of the absolutism, the imperialism of the aristocracy and the nobility that's being empowered by the Vatican. So that's why you can see the Vatican is ready to baptize the aliens, and they're ready to. They're, they set up their Lucifer telescope there in Arizona, high up on the mountain, and they're they're the they're the real preeminent scientists there, the Jesuits who are going to tell us all you know what the aliens think and what planets are have life on them, and you know. So the, the entire presupposition and and, and the, the a priori belief system that we're being introduced to here already pre- presents us with the the future of our enslavement. And so we are going to be facing that great reset and that financial reset, and we will be facing the difficulties of maintaining our national identity while the the secret space programs and and Operation Blue Beam are are subverting us at Hollywood and, 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 and Spielberg, and there's a new show out called... Project Blue Book, you know, and, and all about Roswell and UFOs. And it's really just propaganda for our minds, and it's laying the groundwork that, that will be unimpeachable and unassailable and absolute evidence before our eyes of UFOs and, and, and light displays and, and holograms in the sky. That's why we had to focus so much on hologram technology in this episode. And we'll include a link that shows the state of the art uh, lighting hologram technology as it is now. And, of course, we can, we can expect that if that's being commercially viable in public use now, that there's a far more advanced technology that is unavailable to us now that that, will, that could be used against us in these psychological operations. So that was a big episode that was intense. I hope you go through and look at it. And it usually, typically, in these episodes, we're looking back at the past, at the issues with the Inquisition, or the issues with the Knights of Malta and how they operate secretly in World War II. And we're looking at past history. And in this way, we're looking at future history as it's being orchestrated and curated and, and, and curtailed and presented to us so that we, and it reminds me of the Back to the Future movie. The whole idea is that they're developing ahead of us the technology by which we will be you know, enslaved. Almost how your phone is a, is, a, is a device now that monitors all your movements, tracks everywhere you go. And it, and it fills your head with false news, false propaganda and, and political uh, manipulation And basically, fake news. But at the same time, it presents you with a, a, a lie, it presents you with a deception and a propaganda world that's, you know, like a meta world that's there to take you and deceive you. At the same time, it's it's reporting back to the tech agencies. Remember, when you have your phone, you have all those apps. You have Facebook and Twitter and Google, and you have all these apps. And all, those apps are all monitoring. You clicked yes, you hit yes, you know, they can use your microphone, they can use your camera, they can look at your pics. So they, they have all those companies have access to everything you do so you have to recognize that this 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 technology wasn't just thought up 10 years ago it was actually developed ahead of time it's been scaled out in darpa they are 30 to 40 to 50 years ahead of us on what you know the technology will be uh, tomorrow so you need to prepare for that and understand that there's a lot of
2: black book projects that we really will never know about so with that we'll see you guys next time